and welcome to the show. It is Wednesday. We are grading your trades later on in the show. Adam Azer with Heath Cummings and Scott White. You know, we're supposed to have Chris Towers on the podcast, but he is still homesick. So everybody send your get well notes to Chris. Uh, guys, we have Lance McCullers, who had a really nice start yesterday. Clayton Richard, eight scoreless innings at the Dodgers. We got some lineup stuff to talk about. Camber Jojan, the save. Ryan Dole, the blown save. What a fun – actually, you know what? I'm not going to lie. It wasn't that fun of a Tuesday. I'm thinking Wednesday <laughs> will be better. You didn't spend enough time in Miller Park yesterday because that was fun. I didn't. You're right. I didn't go on the slide. Yeah. And I didn't see Travis Shaw hitting two more doubles and his manager, Craig Council, saying he deserves to play against lefties. You must be excited about that. I'm very excited about that. I, I can hardly hold my excitement in. This morning I had to decide who I liked better. Actually, was e- responding to an email from a listener: Travis Shaw or Adrian Gonzalez. Where are you? Fe- how are you feeling about that? Hmm. Adrian Gonzalez doesn't get to hit at Miller Park. It's still Gonzalez, right? I think I. I think I actually my rest of season rankings that I updated yesterday still have Gonzalez one spot ahead of Shaw at first base. Okay. Scott, good morning to you. Good morning, Adam. Let's just get into it. Let's talk standouts. Okay. Let's talk Tuesday standouts. Who stood out? I like it. Give me a guy. Who stood out to you? Carlos Carrasco, I think, uh, got the biggest star for me because all those concerns we had about his elbow suddenly seem very insignificant with the kind of start he had. Seven strikeouts and five and two-thirds to run baseball. 12 yeah, swinging strikes. he looks like Carlos Carrasco should look. Did, does anybody have velocity on Carlos Carrasco? I was watching that start, and the home run he gave up to Joey Gallo was a fastball. Gallo hit it like 450 feet. Um, the, the data I found looked like it was incomplete, but the average fastball velocity was pretty much what we're used to seeing from Carrasco. All right, now that's interesting. Actually, we have something about velocity. I've been getting a lot of tweets and emails about the the velocity this year is being tracked differently than it was in the past, and it's registering higher. So if you see someone who's down in velocity, it's actually well anyone is. I mean, it, it, compared to last year, if it, if they're down in velocity, they're down even more than you realize because uh, a new way of measuring. But we'll get to that. Um, yeah, Carrasco, you know, really didn't look good. If you just saw after the first two innings, he gave up two runs, and then he then he settled in. His off speed pitches apparently were very good. According to, uh, I think it was Francona who said that. All right, so that's star, uh, that's the big star for Scott Heath. Big star for you yesterday. Besides Travis Shaw, right? Like, we don't want to just talk about him nonstop. <laughs> I mean, look, honestly, you can. I, he's off to a great start with four doubles. And like I said, Craig Council saying Shaw has earned the right to play against, uh, regular playing time against lefties. So it's big. Yeah, I think it is. Eric Thames was actually the one that didn't get the starts and the, the really surprising part, Ernan Perez didn't get the start. I thought they'd put Perez at third, move Shaw to first. They did that later in the game. Then Perez went 0 for 3 with two strikeouts and misplayed a ball at third base. So I'm hmm. I'm a little worried about his situation because I was thinking he was probably going to play, what, an average of three and a half, four times per week? And um, it's early. We'll see. Maybe he still will, but not off to a great start. It's tough to deal to to know what playing time is all about right now. Like Delano the Shields didn't play again. He's probably going to play today, 
But we think the managers are just being kind of nice right now, right? Hey, everybody, everybody gets a yeah. everybody gets a turn. Everybody needs to feel involved. You're all part of the team. Yeah. Uh, go ahead and get out there. You know, we're gonna start you today, and then not again for three weeks. But <laughs> you know, go ahead and get your feet wet. All right, hey, um, you've got a couple other guys on the Giants: Eduardo Nunez, Joe Panic, Brandon Crawford. All three off to good starts. You know who was nasty yesterday? Lance McCullers was nasty. Six innings, uh, five hits. I think three of them were infield singles. One run, two walks, and seven strikeouts against Seattle. He's still pretty much a two-pitch pitcher. He's working on his changeup. I think he threw a little bit of it last night. I, I was watching a lot of this one. He was awesome. Um, good start for him. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he threw his he threw his curveball like sixty percent of the time, which <laughs> is how the usage he had last year that led to a big increase in strikeouts. It also led to a big increase in walks, but only two walks in this first start. I think is the most encouraging of all the. All the stats for him. Yeah. Jacoby Jones is 30% owned. Gerardo Parra is 36% owned. Jones homered, uh, three runs batted in. He stole a base. Parra had a bases clearing double. He drove in three. So again, Jones 30% owned. Parra 36% owned. Who would you rather own? I'm going to say Parra because I think he's going to be the most helpful over the next two to three weeks. And I don't believe that either of these guys are really anywhere close to long-term solutions. So I'll take Parra just because I think he's going to help me the most right now. I think Parra could be. We've talked about before, you know, he, he was paid last offseason to be an everyday player for the Rockies and then had a horrible season, like worst season of his career, even though he was at Coors Field, had a high ankle sprain, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Great spring, and now he's off to... Uh, what a five for eight start or something like that. Yes. So I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't. Con- he's not a big total accumulator like home runs, steals. It's it's hard to justify him in roto leagues for that reason. But he doesn't strike out a lot. He should get extra base hits, especially at Coors Field once he starts playing there. And he's gonna have a lot of RBI opportunities if he's hitting behind Cargo yeah. Arenado's story. I will say the Rockies broadcast last night was kind of telling a story about him about how he. Kind of took uh, a, a, a took exception to the idea that David Dahl was the team's starting left fielder, and everybody just thought that coming in, and mm-hmm. in a good way, not like in a in a sour way, but just really worked his tail off to prove that he was still the left fielder. And don't get me wrong, I'm rooting against him. <laughs> David Dahl is better, but um, you know, Parra I think could be could be very useful here. Jones not so much. Jones minor league numbers are pretty yucky. Uh, he, he, I thought he had some pretty good minor league numbers. He had a couple decent power seasons early on, didn't show much power last year, and the strikeout to walk ratio was just abysmal. It's just okay. tough to trust a guy that relies so heavily on special teams production. Well, yeah. Really part of how, how many times do we get to use that, uh, <laughs> that joke? I'm gonna guess just a couple more, cause he probably won't be starting. Did you see the, uh, well, yeah, that's the thing about Jones is that he homered off Quintana yesterday, homered off a lefty, and he's, He's much better against lefties than righties. We'll see if Jones can hit righties. Did you see uh, the Braves broadcast? I think last year somebody sent me the clip. It is unbelievable. They think that Jacoby Jones, the outfielder, or maybe I don't know if he was playing third base at the time, is the same guy as Jacoby Jones, the kick returner. And they're doing this broadcast talking about, well, you know, Tim Tebow is trying to do this, but here's Jacoby Jones who's already made the transition, this and that. And then about a minute into this whole spiel, they realize it's a different guy. It's amazing. Find it online. 
Have you seen it? No. Oh my god. Scott is not amused at you taking shots at the Braves. Well, no. I mean, if if they that if if that was legit, if that if they were, you know, not just goofing around, which broadcasters tend to do. No, um, no, no. It, it was. I didn't see it, so you you know, I take your word for it. Uh, uh, they deserve to be shamed for that, sure. If Braves, you uh, uh, if you Google search Jacoby Jones Braves broadcast, there is uh, there's there's a lot of people that don't think they were goofing around. Yeah. Chip Carey and Joe Simpson. Oh my God! It, yeah, you just just Google it. It's it's really classic. Thank you to whoever tweeted that to me. Um, I think the last standout I want to talk about for now, and we'll talk plenty more. Um, Ryan Dull with the uh, with the blown save. I get apparently Santiago Casilla was unavailable, so we'll talk about the bullpens. Um, was Clayton Richard? Clayton Richard. Clayton Kershaw, he uh, he had eight scoreless innings, five hits, two walks, five strikeouts at the Dodgers. Clayton Richard uh, will have one of the worst whips, basically, you've ever seen from his starting pitcher. But this was a good start for him, and uh, he's a lefty, and the Dodgers were awful against lefties last year, and they're 0 for 1 this year. Any interest in picking up Richard, who is uh, very, very unowned? I think there couldn't be a more... Head to head, like points league specific pitcher than Clayton Richard because doesn't get strikeouts, but generally pitches deep into games. Um, and such an extreme ground ball guy that, you know, he, he tends to avoid the big innings, doesn't give up a lot of runs relative to the whip. I still think, you know, I'm not ready to pick him up yet after this start, but, um, while it's probably just a flat no in categories leagues, there is something to monitor here, especially since he's relief pitcher eligible. There's something to monitor in points leagues. Hey, by the way, would you drop Hernan Perez for Gerardo Parra? If it's somebody I'm stashing on my bench and not using, then I don't think I would. If it's a league where you don't have hardly any bench spots and you're actually needing to play somebody... Then yes, there. I mean, Perez. There's a good chance Perez. The majority of leagues where he's owned are ones where he was drafted because, oh crap, I'm don't have enough stolen bases. Here's a guy who had 30 or whatever last year. Uh, and like, I don't think Gerardo Parra is going to have a big steals total. So if that's what you need Perez for, it 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 doesn't seem like a smart move yet. All right, let's find out what the listeners are thinking right now. We'll read some emails. Fantasy, ba- eh, just one. Fantasy baseball at cbsi.com. More emails later in the show. Uh, this is from Joe from New York, who is one of our most dedicated listeners. He and I exchanged some emails this morning. Very cool guy. Uh, about to have uh, his wife is about to give birth to his fifth child. So wow, busy guy. Um, you need <laughs> to give a lot more love to Ryan Healy. He puts in caps. Healy, by the way, homered yesterday. Since last year, I predicted this guy to be a superstar. Bold prediction, Ryan Healy finishes in the top five in third baseman, cracking 31 dongs with a 288 batting average. Noan Arenado, Chris Bryant, Manny Machado, Josh Donaldson, Ryan Healy. I'm not sure 288 batting average and 31 dongs would crack the top five at third base, uh, but it wouldn't be far off. I, I think there's a non-zero chance of this happening. Oh. Sure, I think the 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 biggest knock on Healy right now is just that he wasn't the most high prospect to begin with, and he has very little track record at the major league level. And you know, it's not like he's this peripheral darling. The strikeout and walk ratio was pretty meh last year, uh, but he showed good power this spring. 
already has a home run this year. I would I would not hesitate to call him a sleeper at all. Did you say non-zero to, to like, mock Heath and Chris, or did you say non-zero because you were being serious there? No, I was being serious, oh, I think. I don't maybe, like Maybe non-zero is actually understating it, because normally when you say non-zero, you're talking just like this smidgen of a chance, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Heath. there's there's more than a non-zero chance. There might be, like, a 2 to 5% chance Ryan Healy can do this. Well, I, I'm very anti-non-zero. I actually, I cringe when we say it, but, uh, Heath, I'm sorry, did you want to weigh in on, on Ryan Healy? Uh, I don't know that I believe that he can have, hit the 31 dongs and have the 280 average. He hit 305 last year, but that was with a 352 BABIP. If he sells out for power, I think you're probably going to see that crash down to the 260 range. I think it's more likely that he hits around 280 with maybe, 21 dogs. Yeah, it's a tough park. So if he's hitting that many fly balls, right? It would, uh, you know, fly balls are the kind of batted balls that most result in outs. They also are the ones that most result in home runs. Uh, big yeah. park is not the ideal environment for them. One last thing on this email here. So Joe is currently, because he does this every night, listening to us in bed with his pregnant wife. Is there anything you would like to say to them while they lie in bed? Um, no, okay. I'm not sure where to go with that. You want to sing, like, sing them like a lullaby or something, or just okay. I just want to throw that out there. Just Heath really seems like he's suffering. Yeah, Heath. I've never seen that look on Heath's face. Very, uh, very uncomfortable right now. But we just got a little romantic here on fantasy baseball today. That that look on my face was the first time you've ever seen me think something and not say it. (laughs) (laughs) I have a hard time believing that. Uh, let's go to the bullpen. Greg Holland got his second save. That's cool. We usually don't get a lot of saves from Rockies relievers, but Greg Holland's he got two. Amazing. Did he? He looked like the first save, not impressive. Wasn't really <laughs> that great. This save, he looked like Greg Holland. Are you sure that's not just because there were two strikeouts in this one and there was like the walk? Well, in the first no, like the two, the two strikeouts. Yes. I do think the fact that he walked one and struck out zero in the first save and Walked zero and struck out two in the second save. Made okay. the second save better. All right, all right, all right. He did have a good strikeout rate in spring training. Also, it seems like his velocity is still a tick down from his Royals prime. But I think you were saying the secondary pitch for him is yes. It uh, the splider. This is a real, real <laughs> bat misser. It was uh, it was phenomenal last night. Glorious. <laughs> Ryan Dahl was not phenomenal yesterday. He's Ryan Dahl might be my favorite one in the A's bullpen, actually, but uh, yeah. he gave up the three-run homer. He blew it. He came in with a two-run lead, and the Angels ended up winning the game by one. Ryan Madsen worked a scoreless eighth, and as I, I read this morning, Casilla was unavailable. I don't know why. I didn't, I didn't think he threw that many pitches the night before. Um, hmm. But, yeah. It, like, hey, look at that. Give me. I'll check it out right now, but give me your like, take. I, I feel like this is the reason why bullpen by committee don't usually last because the manager gets so tired of explaining himself when things go wrong. Things will go wrong. And if you're, you know, if you're going with a different pitcher than the one who got the save the night before, it looks especially bad when they do go wrong. So even though I think Ryan Dull, he's not going to have too many outings like this one. Um, I think eventually. As with every other bullpen situation, seemingly, that starts out as a by committee, 
situation, the Athletics will settle on a guy, and it'll, it'll probably be either Madsen or Casilla. I, two things. One, at least the ninth inning wasn't dull. Two. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he only I'm, threw 15 pitches. I'm Casilla. a little bit Casilla. worried. Like, if they're really going to do this with Ryan Madsen, he's our best reliever. We're going to pitch him against the best hitters. It seems to me you've only got about a 33% chance of the best hitters coming up in the ninth inning as opposed to the seventh or eighth. That doesn't really bode well for Ryan Madsen's save chances, right? He would have to just be the best one, which is probably Right, but no, they think he is the best one. They just want to use him when the best hitters are coming up in the late innings. Oh, yeah, That's so they've, not going they, to happen they've done the that regularly. twice now. If they If they stick with that is right. what I'm saying. I, I, I'm skeptical they will. I mean— well, I think what makes the most sense is if they think that, use Madsen whenever the best hitters are coming up and use Santiago Garcia as your closer unless Madsen's pitching the ninth. Well, when, when's the last time you actually saw a team stick with a closing committee from start to finish? I'm not calling it a committee anymore. Okay. Dole's out. Dole's out. <laughs> Doolittle's whatever. <laughs> it's it's Madsen it's, pitches against the best hitters. Madsen is the Andrew Miller of the Athletics bullpen. Is Usually the saying. ninth, maybe slightly more often, but yes. So okay. Casilla would be your favorite, it sounds like, Heath. If in that situation, yes. All right, uh, Camber Drosian, 72% owned. He got the save. Andrew Bailey pitched a scoreless eighth. Now, when Bailey pitched, it was not set up to be a save situation. It became one in the ninth. Um, but here's an email from Brian in Los Angeles. Would you rather have Santiago Casilla or one of the other A's closers, or Neftali Feliz? Feliz. I'm going to say Feliz for now. Okay. We got a tweet from Owen. Owen wants us to consider uh, Jake Barrett as a potential closer in waiting in Arizona. Barrett's currently on the DL, but working his way back. Uh, he had a 349 ERA and a 126 whip as a rookie. But, uh, you know, they, they seem to like him. Jake Barrett, do you think that could be a guy to stash right now? I mean, they tried him last year. It didn't go well. I don't know. I didn't. He may just because they don't find anyone better sooner. He may get that chance if Rodney continues to blow it. But I, I don't think, I don't think he's a long-term answer either. If they're, if they're in the hunt, they'll trade for an actual closer. I'm not going to stash him, but I do expect he will get saved at some point. Let me just tell you before we get onto the news and notes and the lineups and stuff like that. Let me just tell you a couple things. Very disappointed in Patrick Corbin yesterday. He is one more start away from from being dropped. And disappointed, not like completely discouraged, but I just don't know how I feel about Sean Manaya. He was one of my least favorite draft picks in our podcast points league. And he he had basically one bad inning yesterday, but wasn't a great start against the Angels. Those two guys really bummed me out last night, Patrick Corbin and, and Sean Manaya. I don't know that Manaya did anything that should really change anybody's opinion of him, whatever they had coming into the season. Uh, and Corbin, we knew, was kind of a reclamation project. So, you know, his start was clearly worse than Manaya's. But there were some encouraging signs this spring, and that stint he had in the bullpen late last year was very good. I think it's, particularly if it's a situation where you value Corbin's relief pitcher eligibility, I think... You gotta give him at least one more start. Yeah, that's what I said, like one more start, but, right. but he was awful. I mean, it, two of the runs that Corbin gave up came on a broken bat blooper, but he also got lucky, like two doubles off the wall could have been home runs, and then Pence nearly doubled, uh, like two, two more runs home, but it was caught on a sliding cat. Like, Corbin was, was terrible. A bad start, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. 
Um, all right, hey, listen. Baseball is back, people, and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every game. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. Oh, and you can save 20 bucks on your first purchase with our promo code FANTASY. So, again, use the code FANTASY, all caps, when you buy tickets on SeatGeek. Trust me, it's awesome. I use SeatGeek every time I need tickets now, every time. I don't even bother looking at multiple ticket sites to find the best prices like I used to. Because SeatGeek does all that work for me. It saves me time. It saves me money. You need to start using SeatGeek. Download the app right now. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. It's not just sports either. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert tickets. Third Eye Blind, here we come. Comedy and theater tickets available as well. So take advantage of this offer. Get $20 off your first purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code FANTASY. In caps, all fa- all caps, fantasy. Promo codes fantasy for twenty dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase. So, have you guys uh, seen this? Uh, been aware of this new velocity thing? Yes, I have seen it, and um, it kind of makes me just want to ignore all velocity data for a while, uh, which is probably not the best approach, but it really clouds things for sure. So velocity is being the way I heard it yesterday on the Yankees broadcast was that they're using Statcast now across the board instead of pitch effects. Is that your what your understanding is? Yeah, and it measures the point, the flight of the baseball out of a pitcher's hand. It, Statcast measures it earlier than pitch effects did, and so that makes it register what you know based on the study Fangraphs did. What appears to be about a mile per hour higher. Than Woo. what PitchFX did. Wow, that's a lot. That makes that's a big difference, right? It kind of like, do we know how hard any pitcher throws? Like, we're, did we know in the first place? Like, a mile per hour makes a big difference. Yeah, and it just makes you wonder. Like, like somebody brought up Zach Granke. One of our emailers brought up Zach Granke. There was a Fangraphs article about Zach Granke, and and Granke's velocity was like close to last year, but a little bit down. But if Everybody's velocity is supposed to be up. Isn't that kind of concerning with Granky? Yeah, because yeah, it's more than just a little bit down, if that's the case. Right. I also know that it seems like almost every game I've watched, at some point during the game, they've apologized because the stadium radar is not working properly and they don't currently have oh. any velocity. So it's not just me. I was watching, like, no no miles per hour for Wainwright yesterday for a yep. while. And it, it almost, like, but three or four games I noticed that. Carrasco, too. The stadium radar gun isn't the same as the stack casts. I don't believe so. Yeah, I don't, I don't I, which so I don't either. know why the stadium would not be, be using the same thing that MLB is using. Right. Well, that's why I'm not saying it with confidence. I understood <laughs> it was for sure that but, it's not now. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, There's a lot of skepticism. This right sucks. Now this sucks. I, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. It, it will all like we'll get a couple weeks down the road and we'll feel better about everything. <laughs> right. I mean, it's it is worth noting that like velocities for pitchers can fluctuate a couple miles per hour just from start to start. It happens. So we're, we're still talking a small sample size with this like we are with everything else. Did you see what people are calling the worst pitch in baseball history last night? I did not, but that would be... Adam Wainwright. I, I'm skeptical that's true, but go ahead and uh, tell me about it. <laughs> Adam Wainwright. Did you see the pitch? No, I didn't. But there, you know, there have been a lot of pitches thrown in MLB history. Yeah, it's to be tough to be worse. <laughs> I mean, this has got to have be tied for the worst. There could be something as bad as it. Yeah. Right. Uh, this is like this was like uh, 50 Cent. It was basically 50 Cent yeah. 
uh, uh, first pitch. Uh, he just spiked okay. it into the ground, and it went way off to to the left, the right of Yadier Molina. He said, Wainwright said that he did it to protect Molina from injury, that Molina was setting up, I think, for a fastball or for a curveball, and he was throwing a fastball. He didn't want to hit him and hurt Molina, so he just spiked it into the ground, basically. It was crazy. Uh, what, what I'm curious about, and I'm not discounting what Wainwright said. I mean, he's obviously been around a long, long time. How does he know that Molina's setting up for a curveball? I think he said something about where he was placing his glove. That, that's I can, that's I can amazing. Buy it, I suppose. But the bottom line is, more importantly, Wainwright actually did pretty well yesterday. Um, Eleven swinging strikes. He did okay. He did okay. Five innings, three hits, two runs, two walks, six strikeouts against the Cubs. And Wainwright's owned in ninety-four percent of leagues. He was only started in sixty-six percent of leagues. I'm sure a lot of fantasy owners saw a start against the Cubs and said, "No thanks." But well, Wainwright did that was well. good process. It was. Yeah, it was uh, it was much better than I expected him to be the way based on the way his spring went. And I mean, he was he's a guy. I just feel like he's very open with the media, so you get a lot of rationalization from him that there there's just a higher um, quantity of rationalization, which makes it harder to believe what he says when it doesn't pan out the way you expect. Like I feel like we went through this with him a lot last year coming back from that Achilles surgery. And, um, you know, he talked about his legs not have, having enough strength and, and, you know, changing his delivery. And and it, it didn't seem like anything made that big of a difference. But he talked a lot this spring about how he was throw, he's going to throw a changeup more he had rediscovered his old curveball grip from watching an instructional video he made a couple years ago and, you know, giving us reasons for optimism and then going out and stinking it up. So, you know, veterans stink in spring training. Veteran pitchers do all the time because they're just not that concerned with the results. But obviously after the year Wainwright just had, we read more into it than that. And I'm not saying this one start, you know, throws it all out throws our skepticism out. Well, yeah, I mean, I was I was going to say, how droppable would he be for you if there was somebody... Because, like, let's just... What we thought of Wainwright, like, I don't think any of us drafted a lot of Adam Wainwright, and he had a right. 462 ERA last year, 161 Ks, and 198 and two-thirds, and had a good stretch kind of in the middle of the year, but just wasn't good. And so, uh, you know, Wainwright is 94% owned. I felt like somebody in every draft probably had to draft him, but... Not us, and if if there's somebody over the weekend or today or tomorrow, whatever, that has a great start or a hitter that does something that you really want to pick up, I, it, does this start? And I also, by the way, I saw some 92s on the radar gun on the broadcast from from Wainwright yesterday, but I have no idea what it means anymore. Uh, I, is is Wainwright a guy that you that is a that must keep at this point? Like you cannot drop him in anything deeper than a 10 team league. I guess that was kind of my long. That was what I was building up to with that long-winded explanation is that this start combined with the narrative he was spinning this spring is enough reason for optimism. And I'm still a skeptic overall, but there's enough optimism there that I want to hold on for a start or two more at least. All right, let's do your news and notes here. Steven Matz may not be back until mid-May, and Seth Lugo has a partially torn UCL. They think he can avoid Tommy John, but man... Are you nervous if you're a Cindergard or Degrom owner right now? 
Oh, absolutely. The Mets uh, definitely got stock in PRP. <laughs> uh, Corey Kluber expected to start Sunday. Felix Hernandez also expected to start this weekend. Denard Spann took him one game, and he's hurt. He <laughs> he missed yesterday. Dodgers leadoff or Giants leadoff hitter missed yesterday's game with a sore hip. He's day to day. Gorkis Hernandez led off and drove in four runs in a <laughs> uh, in a win at the Diamondbacks. Um, Justin Upton left with a knee contusion. He's day to day. They say it's not serious. Tyler Collins replaced him. Steven Piscotty had the worst luck <laughs> ever yesterday. He gets hit by a pitch on one elbow. He advances to second on a wild pitch and gets hit on the other elbow on the throw to second. And then he's coming home and he gets hit in the head by a Javier Baez throw, and that may have concussed him. Let's hope not. Um, but Piscotty is day-to-day with a head contusion. Matt Adams ended up going to the outfield to replace Piscotty. Junior Guerra could miss six weeks with a calf strain, and Drew Smiley is on the 60-day DL. Let me, ask you, let me ask you guys a question. Mm-hmm. I was on the plane on Sunday. Going home, and uh, there was a lady. I was like, let's say I was in row twenty, and I was on the aisle. She was in row twenty-one, and she was on the other aisle. So we're very close, but she's row behind me, and she's doing a crossword puzzle, and she's asking her husband for help, and she says, "Blank Desmond, or baseballs blank Desmond, three times silver slugger." Do I turn around and tell her the answer, or do I just mind my business? Um, I'd, I'd probably mind my business. I find, I find this sort of thing, you know, kind of a different scenario being on an airplane with what you presume aren't baseball fans. But I find myself in a similar situation all the time at baseball games, hearing conversations around me where I know what they're saying is just flat out wrong. You do correct people? You do? Always. (laughs) I never do. There are a couple of reasons, but the main reason is I find that I often end up sitting within earshot of someone that is trying to explain the game of baseball to someone else. Mm-hmm. Only that person apparently needs no explanation, and they just talk about the stupidest things. And I get really annoyed. I, I find oh, I get annoyed I too. If yeah. you correct them a couple times, they usually talk quiet enough to where you can't hear them. Anymore. <laughs> a couple but times, then you look like wow. a complete butthole. Yeah, you I'm are never going jerk. to see them again. And <laughs> yeah, really, I, but... I I may look like a butthole to them. <laughs> I don't to everyone else sitting around me. I'm a hero. <laughs> You're a hero. I don't know that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. They, they should be allowed to enjoy the baseball game they with can. the people they came to with it. Yep. All right, let's do some thoughts to yourself. <laughs> some quick. I, I, it's so frustrating when people are are saying dumb things at sporting events. Um. Well, let's do some quick lineup stuff here. I'm going to give you a lineup thing, and you just give me your quick reaction. Ben Zobris sat. Javier Baez played second base. Just trying to get everybody involved. I don't know. I don't know that this this. I mean, because Baez was already involved. He started opening day. I I started to feel this way as we got later in draft season that maybe Ben Zobrist was actually going to be the one who suffered the most here after, you know, assuming it'd be Baez and, and maybe Schwarber. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think everybody will suffer a little, but Zobrist may be one who suffers the most. And if that's the case, second base being deep as it is, he may not be a viable mixed league starter all year. Just have and, to wait and uh, see. Almora made a leaping catch to take away a home run in center field, and you know they like his defense. So okay, we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Tyler Saladino led off for the White Sox. The great Saladino, he led off for the White Sox. He went two for four with two singles and a walk. I think that matters mm-hmm. a lot. 
I mean, I, I'm not probably adding Saladino in your normal league, but I kind of tried to write waiver wire with a bit of a, a deep league tilt today, and Saladino was definitely one of the guys I mentioned, just 13% owned. Wow, where is Chris Towers when you need him? He's laughing at all of us for laughing yeah. at him about Saladino. Uh, <laughs> Corey Dickerson sat against the lefty. Steven Souza led off. Okay, well, hopefully it doesn't happen every time there's a lefty for Dickerson's purposes. Um, with a lefty, we talked about this one. With a lefty on the hill against Milwaukee, Keon Broxton batted second. Eric Thames sat. Jesus Aguilar started at first base, and Shaw was at third. So Heath already talked about that. Hernan Perez, uh, two games down, he has not started yet. Uh, Gerard Dyson batted ninth again against um, a righty, and Mitch Hanniger batted second again and doubled, but also struck out three times. Uh, so, yeah, that was interesting that Dyson, short leash if he keeps batting ninth. Okay. He's still going to steal some bases, but we obviously want him batting higher in the order. Not short leash for the Mariners, short leash for my fantasy team. Yeah. Uh, Evan Gaddis DH'd. Guriel sat for Marwin Gonzalez. And now Houston, by the way, is going to face four lefties in a row. And just reading what, uh, what Hinch said, it doesn't seem like they're going to play matchups that much. They're just, they're going to let some lefties play against lefties. We'll see what happens, but four lefties in a row. But I don't like Guriel sitting in the second game of the year. Um, no, but. It's only he, a second he, game. I mean, he's one of the more replaceable parts in that lineup, right? You'd have to think. Well, I mean, from fantasy owner's perspective, I think some people still have hope that he could have a, that he could be a sleeper. I got yeah. a, a tweet last night. Somebody said they just dropped Guriel for Travis Shaw. How do you feel about that? I think that's deserved. I think, uh, I feel like I would keep Guriel if it were a bench spot and I was just going for like star upside. But if it was someone I was starting, I would rather have Shaw. Okay. How do you feel about that? I love it. I think I actually made this change even before I saw Houston's lineup yesterday. I was working on rankings yesterday, and I moved Guriel behind Shaw. Actually, I moved Shaw ahead of Guriel to be technical. But all right. Um, let's see. Uh, David Peralta batted second against the righty yesterday. Okay, great. And <laughs> Delano Shield sat again. So Rua went 0 for 3, Profar sat. I, I still think DeShield's going to be the best man for the job. Uh, Yeah, I think so too. And I think the Rangers, considering your other two options are 0 for 7, I think the Rangers will discover that soon as well. But it's really it's really dependent on DeShield's. He has to perform when he gets the chance. Yeah, he'll face Salazar today most likely. They face, they face Kluber and Carrasco, so... Give him a little bit of slack there. And Jock Peterson sat against the lefty, guys. Oh, what? What? <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Get good. everybody Chris. involved. Chris all was all excited about Saladino. Now he can be sad about something. <laughs> yeah. Happy. We won't make too much of it yet, but that wasn't good. Um, let's let's yeah. uh, look at the rest of yesterday's action. Brian McCann hit a solo home run to opposite field yesterday, and apparently this is something he had been – Working on during the offseason, McCann recognized he'd become a dead pull hitter over the last two seasons, wanted to go opposite field, hits an opposite field home run. Hmm. Was it really a last two seasons thing? Because I, I've always viewed McCann as one of the biggest victims of the hyper infield shifting going on. Once that started, he went from being like a 280, 290 hitter to a 230 hitter. And that started even before he joined the Yankees. So I'm going to look at it now. Yeah, uh, there was a 
his pull percentage was at its highest, particularly his last two seasons with the Yankees. That's what happens. But he's in always Stadium. been an extreme pull hitter. Yeah, that's that's what happens though. McCann, I can find the quote. A lot of work went into this offseason with my swing to be able to do that. Over the last two years, I'd just become a dead pull hitter, and I put a lot of hours in the cage for that swing right there. I was waiting for it to translate into a real game, so it was nice for it to pay off tonight. It was one of his five batted balls that has gone the opposite way. Okay. The other four he's pulled. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, you know. Something, who was it that hit an opposite? Was it Mustakas last year that hit, like, his first opposite field, opposite field homer? Of his career? Yeah. yeah. And then he did it a few times, right? Yes. And then he no, got hurt. I, this is, it's been an encouraging start for Brian McKeon. I was probably the lowest on him and really thought Evan Gaddis was just better. Does not seem like the Astros believe that at all, and unless it, uh, something changes, I'm gonna look pretty silly for that. Eh, we'll see. Jake Lamb homered off Johnny Cueto, so just keep mashing righties and do something against lefties. <laughs> Nick Castellanos and Travis Shaw both had good games. Alright, who do you like better? Castellanos 78% owned, Shaw's 48% owned. I like Shaw. Uh, there's, I mean, honestly, flip a coin. I think I probably have Castellanos ranked higher because there's a better track record there, I feel like, but could go either way. Joey Gallo, I'm not going to do it every time, but I'll do it this time. G-A-L-L-O, 28% owned, hit the crap out of the ball, hit a home run. He also made an error at third base. When um, he does something well, you could do it. He did, he, he homered, yeah. So... How 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 far was it? It was like 440 feet or something. Okay, so the 600 foot you put in the notes is an exaggeration. A slight exaggeration. I feel like uh, I would have heard about that. Nah, it was a beautiful, um, majestic home run. I, here's my question so, with Gallo: Do you think okay. if all of the of the outfielders struggle, when Beltre comes back, Gallo could move to left field if he does well? I mean, he he has to not struggle himself. And although a home run, and I think he has a stolen base too. It's nice. He struck out twice each game. Yeah. I've got a uh, confession to make about the Gallo home run, and you can tell me if it makes me a bad parent or not. <laughs> um, we watch baseball a lot at my house through the evening, and Lucas, my uh, seven-year-old, sitting on the couch with me, and the app was just a little bit ahead of what we were watching, and I knew that Gallo hit a home run, and I said, hey, watch this. He's getting ready to crush this ball, <laughs> and he hit it like 600 feet, and I didn't admit to Lucas how I knew. No, I think that... You're like I know based on the conversation we just had about how you correct people and you consider yourself a hero for doing so. Right. You want to be a hero in the eyes of of your son. <laughs> right, so sure. I don't blame you. That's that was a that was a great move. A build, great move. build that up to mythical status. You should do that with the lottery, like DVR the lottery, and, and be like, I bet you it's gonna be, and then guess it right. And then he wonders why you guys aren't rich. Why I didn't play the numbers. That yeah. seemed pretty lame, actually. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, and then deep leagues, Mark Reynolds and uh, Jed Lowry are off to good starts. Reynolds has uh, two doubles and a home run. And Lowry almost hit for the cycle last night. He was robbed of what probably would have been a triple by a diving catch, and he's five for nine. They're both owned in less than 10% of leagues, Reynolds and Lowry. Any thoughts? Eh. Uh, they're They're... They're, they're there. Scott and I disagree on <laughs> Reynolds, there. I think, but I feel like in a Roto League, Mark Reynolds is probably better and going to be better for the next month than somebody that you're currently starting. Well, he like, wasn't, he wasn't, he was the Rockies starting first baseman last year, and he wasn't a highly started player at all. So, 
I'm not sure why we'd have a different reaction to him now. Like, and he hit I for think, a good average last year, right? But not a lot of power. Wasn't it like right, Bizarro? Right. Mark, he, became, uh, Mark he became less of a fly ball hitter while everyone else in the world is going the other way. And he wasn't playing consistently, was he? He was like, wasn't he playing like four days a week or something? Um, maybe I'm there not may have been stretches right. where he was, but he was like he was he was the Rockies' first baseman. I mean, he I, had I a can't good even year. I can't even think of who else played there. Sometimes I, I guess uh, I guess Para did late in the year. He played there some, but to, to put it in perspective, I, in my five leagues, and you guys are in a lot more than I am. The only league I'd consider Mark Reynolds is our 16 team league, and that's the only league where I remember picking him up off waivers at any point last year, and that was only because my team was terrible. Okay. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> pitchers from yesterday, and then we're uh, we're gonna get to grade the trade and and your emails in a little bit. Justin Verlander, awesome. Jose Quintana, terrible. Three home runs allowed, three walks, two just a terrible start for him. Uh, Quintana last April, by the way, had a 147 ERA and did not give up a home run in five starts. Anything to, to say with Verlander and Quintana, who went head to head yesterday? Quintana. Didn't allow his third home run last year until his 13th start, which sounds all scary. But his home run rate, home run per nine, was 1.0 for the season. He had a couple three-homer games after that, so it's probably no big deal. All right, Carrasco we talked about. Cueto, and well, yeah, let's do Cueto. Cueto gave up two home runs at Arizona. He did have 17 swinging strikes. And um, I don't know if this is an excuse, but he gave up two runs in the bottom of the fifth inning. In the top of the fifth inning, apparently he, like, raced home to score a run. So I'm just going to say he was gassed. Sure, why okay. not? Sure. I don't think there's anything to worry about here. Arietta had a good start. Um, he did only throw 55 strikes on 90 pitches, but one unearned run over, over six unearned run over six innings at St. Louis with six Ks. Okay, great. These three guys, the aspiring aces, were not so good yesterday. Kenta Maeda gave up three runs in five innings on six hits. Sean Manaya gave up four runs in six innings on five hits. He did have 15 swinging strikes, though, against the Angels. And Matt Shoemaker was okay. Five innings, four runs, two hit, uh, four hits, excuse me, two runs, three walks, four strikeouts, and 16 swinging strikes. And he gave up two pretty hard-hit home runs. I, I wonder how many of those swinging strikes for Shoemaker were fouls. Because it did seem like he uh, had a hard time putting hitters away as I was watching that game. He got a lot of two-strike counts from my recollection. I'm not going to cite any numbers here because I'm not looking at any. But he, he seemed to have a hard time putting hitters away. But I, swinging strikes and fouls are not combined, right? They're separate. I, I believe that it depends on which site you're looking at. Like, oh. whiff rate is, does not include fouls. But swinging strike, technically a foul ball uh, is a swinging strike. Interesting. Yeah, because I was looking at the swinging strike data. On, I don't want to name websites here because I don't want to talk trash. And it looked high to me. And baseball reference hadn't been updated yet, so... Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I wasn't really... You watched that game. I watched, like, three innings. I was not impressed with Shoemaker. He just didn't look... He didn't look like anything special to me. Oh, you don't say, Adam. You don't say. Wow. Oh, yeah, because you don't. You didn't like him coming into the year. No, I mean his strike. Like he had this two-month stretch in the middle of last season when he first started emphasizing the splitter to the extent he does now, 
where his swing strike totals were off the charts and he was getting a lot of strikeouts and then he just stopped getting the strikeouts like it seemed to me a clear case of catch the league by surprise oh no the league's not surprised anymore uh, by the way, and, he, and that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad pitcher, but it, he'll probably be pretty average. Okay, Baseball Reference has him. That's it is updated now. Fourteen swinging strikes, and that is defined as strikes due to a swing and miss. So okay. he, he got a lot of them. I didn't notice it. <laughs> Maybe it happened later in the game, uh, but that's good, right? I mean, he and Manaya had had a ton of swinging strikes. It's good, but kind of what Heath was saying. I mean, if it's if he doesn't have like the that put away pitch because, you know, he emphasizes the one pitch so much. Like, I don't, I don't play in a swinging strikes league. I don't know if you do. I do, yeah. I had to play Ooh. in a few of them. Yeah. Oh, we got some breaking news. Okay. That sounds like the White Sox and Tigers have been postponed today. Oh, really? So are they more valuable, like, heading into next week? Cause they're gonna, both teams are gonna have two more games than everybody else left? No, they already made up one. Oh, they're only gonna have one more game than everybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. Right, and do we know when the re- oh, is scheduled for? We have, is this a joke that's not going well for you? Yes. Okay. We have more breaking news. Team Creeth has added Mark Reynolds. <laughs> Three minutes ago. <laughs> I wonder which half of Team Creeth did that. Dropping Andrew Castor. Good for you. Um, <laughs> alright, let's, uh, let's, let's finish up here. These fringy starting pitchers. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Can yeah. I mention something about, um, Oh, great. Now I don't remember who it was. I wanted to mention about one of the pitchers who was just on a long list here. Never mind. If I think of it, I'll bring it up later. <laughs> okay. Uh, fringy starting pitchers. Now I included two guys who are, who are very owned, Jake Odorizzi and Hisashi Ibukuma, because I believe that we consider them to be sort of plug and play, uh, pitch and ditch, whatever. We call them fringy, which isn't really a word. Starting pitchers. Jake Odorizzi had a bad start against the Yankees. Um, would have been a quality start if not for a double by Matt Holiday that was only a double because it got lost up in the ceiling. Hisashi Iwakuma had six innings, two runs at Houston, but only two strikeouts, and he gave up two homers. Patrick Corbin was bad, and CeCe Sabathia was good, but only two strikeouts at Tampa Bay. He's play, he's pitching Sunday. He's actually a two-star pitcher this week, and Sabathia is uh, 46% owned. Odorizzi, Iwakuma, Corbin, Sabathia, did anybody... Excite you last night? Somebody excited Scott, and it was not on this list, but he just remembered who it was, and then he tried to circle them on his we, – we've talked often about Scott's notes that he comes in oh, yeah. with for the show, and his pen is out of ink, so I think we should let Scott talk about this before he forgets it again. It's kind of an engraved circle here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, going back to Kit Maida, uh, he left after five innings and only 75 pitches in a start where he had given up three earned runs, so it's not like he was dominating, but it still seemed like an early hook, right? Given yeah. that it was the Padres, given that he, he was he was pitching well enough to get a sixth inning, you'd think. I'm kind of, like, I, early in draft prep season, I was not loving Maeda as much as the consensus because I thought, like he just showed he was a five inning pitcher last year, and if that's the case, it doesn't matter what the ratios are. He's just not going to be good enough. And then he talked about, oh, I'm going to go 200 innings this year. So I kind of came around to him because this he's is not said a good that? first sign. But like, why, why, you know, why would you even care about him saying that? Everybody says they want to pitch. You know, everybody has these yeah. lofty goals. I don't um, know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't have. I well, don't know if there was maybe a Dave Roberts quote in the same article or not. I, I just remember no. the Maida quote, but 
you're right. Maybe I, maybe I was too willing to believe him because I didn't like, I didn't like being on an island over Maeda. Back to the fringy starting pitchers <laughs> that yeah. you mentioned earlier. I, Odorizzi at 93% owned seems a little bit strong to me, but I understand he's a guy that you're going to keep on your bench and just use on two start weeks or at home. I, I was somewhat encouraged by the fact that Iwakuma wasn't awful. Yeah. I, I, I have this fear because I think if he's just average on that team, he could throw 200 innings and win another 14 or 15 games and be valuable. But it's like you were kind of down on Dallas Keuchel yesterday. He right. had seven scoreless innings and only had four strikeouts. Like, right. Iwakuma had two strikeouts against, against the Astros. I did not say he was good. I said he wasn't awful. And there's a little difference between Keiko, who's a borderline top 30 pitcher to some people, and Iwakuma, who were arguing if he should be 83% owned or not. Yeah, I know. I'll right. add that I think CeCe Sabathia is a little underrated. I was thinking he was over-owned. If, if, what's, what's Clayton Richards' ownership? Well, that's About a good 20%. point. 46% ownership is probably, I don't know that it really needs to go higher than that. Um, well, Sabathia, Sabathia no. is, is probably owned in that many leagues because of the two-start week, this current week, week one. Are you right. okay dropping him for another two-star pitcher in week two? Yes. Yeah, no. I mean, standard mixed league scenario. Maybe I just, I, I think the perception under, uh, about Sabathia is kind of like where it is with Jared Weaver. Like he's done. He used to be great, but there's nothing left. And I think there's something left. I think he can be usable in two-start weeks. Like 46% of users decided he was. He's got Bartolo Colon upside. Okay. I think it's a good way, right? Um, yeah, pretty close. Sure. Six players, five players stole a base yesterday. Chase Headley, AJ Pollock, Jacoby Jones, Manuel Margot, and Trevor Story. Um, Scott, during the broadcast, they said that Trevor Story w- intends on stealing more bases this year and like to get to 15 or 20. So he wants it. Sign me up. 15, 15 steals for story. Man, you watched a lot of that Rockies game. I mostly watched, like, if there's not a Royals game on, I want to watch Miller Park. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, three <laughs> players were caught stealing yesterday. George Springer was caught stealing twice. He was uh. nine for 19 last year, but it is encouraging that he's running because he said during the offseason, kind of hinted he's not going to run that much. Yeah, but now is he going to be discouraged? <laughs> is that, Maybe. is that already over? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Lindor got caught and Rajay Davis got caught. It's time to grade your trade. Scott from Colorado. Remember, a C is average. Anything higher than a C, you won the trade. Great inflation, man. Everybody expects to get A's. Give Paul Goldschmidt. Give Paul Goldschmidt. Get Jose Abreu, Jose Bautista, and Tony Watson. I, if you made this trade, it would be a D. Really? Don't like it. Yeah. Um, can I plug something I'm writing during this segment? My can trade... you at least just say that Chris is writing it? Uh, sure. <laughs> My trade values trade chart will be coming out today with values for every player. And it, I feel like sometimes it overvalues the three side of a three for one. But even in this trade, it says, no, don't oh, do it. So wow. no, no, no. I would I'm give it a D minus. Ah. I'm impressed that you came up with a trade chart that would... um that would properly show quantity not making up for quality, as in this case. Well, it doesn't always. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would say if you're in a deeper league where there are like no closers available, I don't think this is that bad of a trade. Getting Abreu, Bautista, and Watson 
for yeah. Goldschmidt. I mean, unless they say, like, if this is just a flat, well, it's obviously not an NL only league because they're mixed players, but like, I'm, I'm just always going to assume it's a standard mixed league unless they say otherwise because I don't know. Okay, yeah, good point. Um, Can't get bogged down in that. From Mark and KC, 10-team head-to-head categories dynasty league with 25-man rosters. Give Jonathan scope, get Troy Tulowitzki. I'll give it a C plus. I think the shortstop is a little more valuable than the second baseman. Yeah, I I think I I, I have no excitement over this trade at all, but I'm going to go B minus. This is from Brad. Grade the trade: Maverick, Goose, Iceman, and Viper. That's a yeah, really not movie that did not hold up well. Terrible movie. Oh, it is terrible. And I can say really that because I I didn't see it until like I don't know five years ago. I'd never seen Top Gun. It's a bad movie. I probably watched it. 40 times as a kid. It was one of my favorite movies, and I didn't watch it, and then I wanted to share it with my kids last year, and it's been ruined. Yeah, it's, that's awful. It's not uh, very good, no. Give up Corey Seager and Cespedes. Corey Seager and Cespedes for mm. Chris Bryant. Mm. That's too much to give up, I think. You think? I uh, That wasn't a sarcastic, you think. I'm... I'm, I'm... Honestly, on the fence here. Like the the trade chart says, it's way too much to give up. But yeah. I I think it's I think it's too much because Seager's probably not going to be. Oh wait, I just saw the keeper values. It's definitely too much to give up. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. About yeah, that. I mean Seager was a borderline first rounder himself, but I mean he's not Bryant. I'll I'll still yeah I'll give it. I'd rather have Seager and Cespedes, unless it's like a super shallow league, but he didn't say that, so I'll give it a C-. I'm giving it a D plus. This is Rob from New Jersey. Give up Carlos Correa, get Anthony Rizzo. That sounds like a pretty solid uh, C plus. B to me. Maybe B+. Plus. I'm going C+. C plus. B+, plus, Scott? They're not that far apart, Correa and Rizzo, are um, they? I think the difference between a... Indisputed, undisputed first round hitter and, you know, kind of a questionable second round hitter. I think it's pretty big. Okay. From Matt, grade the trade. It's a 14 team, six by six categories league with OBP plus slugging instead of batting average. Give Rich Hill and Steven Piscotti. Give up Rich Hill and Steven Piscotti. Get Jared Eikhoff and Matt Carpenter. So you downgrade from Hill to Eikhoff, but you upgrade from Piscotti to Carpenter. It's a tough one. 14-team league. I don't think it's tough. I'll give it a B, like Carpenter, in that format especially. Yeah, I, I like it. I'm going to go B-. minus. Okay. Uh, this is from Steve. Grade the trade. Uh, was, okay, fine. I, I currently have Jake Lamb at third base, and Manaya is my number five starting pitcher. Give up Manaya, get Michael Franco. Um, uh, that's kind of maybe a maybe like a C plus. It's pretty even. Okay, I'm gonna give it a B minus. We finish the show with your emails: fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Kuel in Virginia, dear TJ, Vince, Mikey, and Gus. This is something called recess. Yeah, that was a Saturday morning cartoon. A little, little past our time. Oh, okay. Uh, first time ever doing fab for free agents, free agent acquisition, acquisition budget fab. Uh, what are your guiding principles and resources you use in determining how much to bid so not to under or overbid? For example, how much would you bid for, say, Daniel Hudson or Sean Doolittle in a 14-team, 28-player head-to-head categories league? 
two dollars at most. <laughs> the, like you don't want to waste fab on guys that you're not sure about, you know? No, I really don't. I I think for Hudson, I might not. I might put in a zero dollar bid. Yeah, I'm not uh, really assuming that... your league has zero dollar bids, which some don't. Okay, if they don't, then I I I guess I would use a one percent. The vast majority of all the bids you're going to put in are probably going to be what whatever the minimum is, because there's there's going to be a couple handfuls of players, maybe over the course of the season, that you know it's going to be a fight to get them, and you want to really preserve the dollars for that. The guys you're just kind of halfway interested in picking up, and you can live without. Those are a dime a dozen. Yeah, I'm gonna or give a you dollar a, a dozen. <laughs> I'm going to give you some of the auction, some of the fab values that we've seen in our fab league. And, uh, okay, keep, so Heath wasted, unfortunately, $12 on Coda Glover on that April sucks. 2nd. Yeah, that was a tough one. Out of 100. But it didn't seem like a high bid at the time when we thought Glover was going to be the closer. Uh, Danny Valencia went for eight. I think we all sort of thought that was too much. Charlie Morton and Andrew Tolls went for $4. Again, I think that's a little high. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Matt Bush went for four dollars. Like, no, you can't do that. Not, not for a setup man. Um, you can probably get him for a dollar or zero. I I yeah. think it makes a difference too if you're talking about fab that runs daily versus fab that runs weekly. You have to be much more cautious with your fab dollars when it runs weekly because you know every month, every Sunday night, it's going to be a competition with everybody in the league for every player you might want. If it runs daily, like if there's, I, I think you can go a little overboard for a player you really, really want because there's not going to be a lot of activity every day of the week and you can get the more in-demand players more cheaply than you can in a weekly fab league. Recently I got uh, Gerardo Parra, Jason Hamill, Francisco Cervelli, all for $0. Uh, let's see. Mark Reynolds went for $0. See who did. Jason Grilly I had to get for $5. That was probably pretty stupid. Uh, Brandon Finnegan, $0 to, to Heath. Matt Boyd, $0 to Mike. So, yeah, I – you don't have to, yeah, a guy like Doolittle or, or Hudson, you don't want to spend more than a dollar, I'd say. It's 14 team league, so you gotta, you gotta be a little more aggressive probably. There aren't gonna be that many guys on waivers that you like. Uh, James said, I'm wondering, uh, what you're gonna, how are you gonna focus on daily this year? I don't know how much we're gonna focus on daily this year, it's a good question. We'll try when we have time on shows to do it, but, you know, more people play seasonal. But, um, you know, we'll talk about, We'll talk about the draft app. That's that'll be one thing. If, that's a pretty cool app as well. You should look into that if you're not playing FanDuel and DraftKings, or even if you are. Uh, we'll we'll do a little daily. I'm trying to, at the very least, tweet through it on a semi-regular basis. So I'm not writing a daily piece. We're not going to have a daily podcast, but you can follow us on Twitter and we'll have a conversation. Uh, Andy in Albuquerque, Jenmar Gomez or Santiago Casilla. <laughs> Good to see you. Hector Neris. Dalton from Paris, Illinois. In my utility sh- spot today, should I start Castellanos against James Shields or Starling Marte against Chris Sale? I would start Starling Marte. I told him yeah. to start uh, Castellanos. Okay. Break the tie, Heath. Uh, Marte. Okay. James Shields gave up 40 home runs last year, so there's that. Yeah. 
There is that. It's just... Did you draft Starling Marte to sit him? Yeah, he's James Shields. I understand. It wasn't a decent call for me. Uh, that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening, everybody. We're back tomorrow with much more. we got 15 games today. We should have plenty to talk about on Thursday's show. See you later.